Don, I abandoned you for this you recording. Not sure how we did it, and you but made I think it? We, we, we did. We got something <laughs> accomplished, probably, I think. <laughs> there was probably a lot less unnecessary banter, giggling, and stupid suggestions by me. So it was probably a lot more serious. Yeah, it, it maybe it doesn't. You had me and two analytical PhD chemists, so you know, take that for what it's mm. worth. So maybe not a lot of giggling involved in that discussion. <laughs> I'm guessing there's a lot of really smart stuff here. So everybody, this episode is it, it's awesome. So these guys all got together to discuss the new, newish, still new, and when we publish this anyway. Yeah. FDA published a paper um, with the American Chemical Society. Is that right, Don? Yeah. Yeah. So we got we got a couple of folks together to chat with Don about the paper, the context of this paper, and they discussed some key points in this paper. So I think super interesting topic. Obviously, chemical characterization continues to be the hot topic, so to speak. So we thought this would be a great uh, topic for an episode. So. The folks that joined Don on this episode are Dr. Darren Kent. So Darren is with NAMSA. He's one of our senior principal toxicologists. He is a PhD, he has a PhD in chemistry, and he also is a board certified toxicologist. He's been with NAMSA. Gosh, Don, did you guys talk about it? more than 18 years, I think? Well, he's been yeah, almost as long it, as me. Yeah, it's 19, yeah. I think, specifically, yes. 19. So I just hit 19. I think Darren and I are really close in our work anniversary. So he spends his days now performing risk assessments, looking at this chemistry data, making sense of it as a toxicologist to what it means to medical device safety. So Darren, super smart and has lots of interaction with the FDA. So happy that he joined us. And then we had a return visitor. Another person joined us for the second time. We've only had a few that aren't NAMSA people anyway. So Dr. Ted Heisey joined us from Med Institute, of course, you all will remember Ted. He has more than 25 years of experience in regulatory and clinical, and he's a vice president of regulatory and clinical services at the Med Institute. So Ted is a consultant and is for hire. You can find him on LinkedIn. I know he's pretty active there, as well as you can you can look at, at Med Institute. So he has been the convener of, um, of U.S. delegates to ISO TC-194, the Technical Committee for International Consensus Standards that govern biocompatibility and in clinical investigations. He um, serves as the convener of TC-194 Working Group 14, and that is the group that rewrote and is responsible for 10993 Part 18. So Ted, of course, has a lot of experience in this area and super valuable. So I'm excited for this episode, and I think folks are going to uh, enjoy hearing y'all chat about this, this paper. Yeah. Yeah. Darren, Darren said we could have went on for hours upon hours. So this is just, you know, the, the tip of the iceberg, if you will. The tip of the iceberg. I'm sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. So thank you all for joining us. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Biocompatibility. Welcome to Biocompatibility, the first ever podcast focused on the biocompatibility of medical devices. NAMS is happy to bring Biocompatibility to you where each episode features leading industry experts and their discussions on biocompatibility challenges. Be sure to visit www.namsa.com for more information and to access all podcasts and transcripts. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right. Welcome, everybody, out there in podcast land. Hopefully you're coming back to join us again for a, 
another episode of Biocomchatability. And uh, today is my uh, first solo attempt at hosting Biocomchatability. Fortunately, Sherry couldn't join us today, but that's okay. We'll try to struggle through it without Sherry. And, uh, but fear not, you are not going to just listen to uh, me ramble on today. I have a couple guests with me here today. The first one, for all of you devoted podcast biocompatibility listeners, shouldn't be new to you. His name's Dr. Ted Heisey. He's the VP of Regulatory and Clinical Affairs at uh, Med Institute, and he's joined us before to talk about ISO 10993 Part 18 in the past, and it just so happens Ted is the convener of Part 18 as well. So glad to have you with us today, Ted. Good to talk to you again. Thanks, Don. Glad to be here. And uh, I will note as well, Ted is a PhD analytical chemist, which comes into play for our topic today, which we'll get to in a minute. Along with Ted is uh, Dr. Darren Kent. He is one of my colleagues here at NAMSA. Been at NAMSA around 19 years, as best I can tell. He's currently a senior principal toxicologist. He as well as a PhD chemist, and he's a board-certified toxicologist. So uh, Darren, again, is uh, joining us today. And, and you know, I got two PhD chemists, and given the topic of the day is associated with chemical characterization, I'm just going to sit back and listen, but uh, <laughs> at least that was my plan. Maybe not, it won't work out that way, but welcome, Darren. You're a first-timer time, first here as a guest on Biocompatibility. Great to have you. Um, even though we've worked together for years, first time here on Biocompatibility. Well, thank you, Don. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. So, kind of a segueing, kind of setting everybody up for the fact that we have some, some chemists in the room and what we're talking about today. So, you know, we're going to talk about publication that was out in American Chemical Society Journal, ACS Publications, and it was uh, published or it was authored by several people at the FDA. Um, it's titled Chemical Characterization and Non-Targeted Analysis of Medical Device Extracts, a Review of Current Approaches, Gaps, and Emerging Practices. So it was put out there in February of this year. It was submitted back in September of last year. And it, it kind of is a, I don't know, it, it builds off of the concepts that you see in ISO 10993 Part 18. You know, just the article is uh, 25 pages long in total, roughly speaking. And it, it lists out four main topics. It, it talks about information gathering, extraction process as it relates to chemical characterization, chemical analysis, chemical uh, analytical techniques that you might use in the, the uh, analysis of extractables. And, and it states in it that its overall goal is to, of this document is to describe the theory, practice, limitations, future directions of extractables profiling for medical devices by highlighting relevant publications in both extractables profiling and the field of non-targeted analyses in general. So I think, you know, kind of taking away from that goal uh, this is this is not an FDA guidance document. This isn't uh, going out and saying exactly what the FDA feels you should do or how you should handle this topic specifically in, in this. But I like to think of it as a collection of thoughts around ISO 10993 Part 18 and, and practical use of some of the techniques in there. So again, that's kind of sets the stage for what we're talking about today. So, um, you know, certainly... In terms of biocompatibility in today's world, chemical characterization 
extractables testing plays a key role for a lot of companies in that evaluation. So I guess just from that standpoint, kind of reach out to Darren, Ted, you know, in terms of this article and, and, the, and the content and what it presents, you know, just your general impression of the article and what you thought about um, what the FDA had to say. Who has to go first? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Ted. I'll, I'll yield to you. <laughs> sure. So I was impressed. It's an extensive document. It covers an amazing amount of literature. I think I think the authors did a terrific job of really identifying the relevant literature for the topic. I think that the the, the review of the literature was was reasonable. There were some pieces of it, some particular articles that maybe weren't discussed with respect to all of the aspects that might be relevant to the topic, but they were certainly all listed that that I'm aware of. And in fact, I learned of some new articles that seem pretty relevant that I'm going to have to spend some additional time reading. So general impression, uh, kudos to kudos to the authors. Yeah, and I'd, I'd just like to mirror Ted's comment. You know, I thought the article did a really good job of pointing out the available technologies that are around for uh, chemically characterizing medical device extracts. I think it did an even better job, I think, of uh, pointing out the gaps uh, that are um, inherent to such approaches. And we can, we, we don't necessarily know everything about every sample. And, you know, this just points out that, you know, in the real world, not a lot of people do. And, you know, it's one of the fundamental issues that we're facing now. But, you know, I do find that the article in general provides a, a pretty good overview of the available techniques and technologies, while at the same time sort of outlining a path forward for future work on this. So, yeah, I, I would have to agree. Nice job on uh, Eric and Noctem's uh, behalf and their colleagues. Yeah, and, so, and, yeah. go ahead, Ted. Sorry. Oh, sorry, Darren. I'm glad you mentioned gaps because I meant to touch on that. And I probably had the wrong idea of what the gaps would be when I went into reading it. I kind of anticipated gaps between what people are doing and what FDA expects. And it really was, I think, more of gaps about what's being done in devices and what's known about the work in devices as compared to the way it's applied in other disciplines like uh, environmental metabolomics or uh, or food. Yeah. uh, You know, I thought the it was striking, really, the lack of uh, literature that is out there for how these techniques and uh, ideas could be used in a uh, NTA, non-targeted analysis type situation. Um, You know, I think it highlights, and, you know, they even come out and say that in part of the article that, you know, there's a fundamental need for basic research, really, on, um, you know, not only the technology and the techniques that are used to perform these types of analyses, but, you know, also on the general applicability of chemical characterization for establishing the safety of medical devices. You know, I'm not entirely convinced that, you know, the fundamental basic research is there demonstrating that 
going through all of this, you know, makes the assessment better or makes the device safer. So, um, you know, I look forward to seeing where this is going to go. Yeah. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, in the 25 pages or so, you know, there's about 18 pages of content. And, and to your point, Ted, I think there's 252 references that are cited in this article. So, you know, definitely, definitely, a uh, this was not a, you know, a simple effort to put this, this document together. I mean, there was a lot of information gathering of a different type, shall we say, that was put into place to, to look at the techniques and, and what's known about them and trying to, again, critique, analyze, and, and look at their usefulness in, in this extractables world. And to, to your point, Darren, yeah, it's, it's a matter of, you know, how much of this information that we have in, in front of us is, is directly pointed to medical devices. You know, I just think about these, th- you know, these devices that have medic, you know, metals and five different polymers, you know, or more sitting inside them. You know, it's a, definitely a complex mixture of materials that we then put through some pretty, uh, well, exhaustive extractions, literally speaking, that, uh, that it can definitely pose some challenges on the, on the analysis end, um, for sure. So I guess, I mean, in terms of, you know, if, if I'm a medical device manufacturer out there and I read this document, you know, how do you see, you know, the medical device industry using the contents of, of the article or, or basically not? I mean, I can think of some practical uses of the article, the references <laughs> to, to, to be one useful piece of it. But Ted, I'll throw it out to you first. You know, how do you see industry possibly using the contents or, or like I say, or not using the contents of this article? Yeah, that's, that's a really tough question, Don. I guess for us analytical chemistry nerds, it's a, the value is pretty obvious. The level of detail is exquisite, and I think it's probably going to be way too much for most in the industry to take on board. There may be certain aspects of it that will be helpful. Probably the the greatest utility is going to be for the labs that are actually doing the testing, whether they're CROs or captive labs within a within a device manufacturer, as well as maybe um, academics and other interested folks who are considering maybe doing additional research in this space to advance the state of the art. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder for those companies that use chemical characterization, extractables testing in part of their evaluation of their devices, if by reading this article, maybe they have some some expectations of, of laboratories that they might use. Then again, I guess it might be, you know, kind of too deep in detail for some to really have those expectations translate into, you know, what a lab may or may not do for their analysis. Yeah, that that is, that is true. And, you know, I think the article provides a lot of examples in, of things that, you know, you need to consider when you're putting together an analytical chemistry, chemical characterization type program. You know, there's a lot of um, sample handling techniques discussed, analytical techniques, um, you know, post-analysis techniques for the identification and quantification of extractables and you know they briefly kind of to barely touch upon you know the utility of such data to you know 
in the risk assessment process. So, you know, I think it provides a lot of really good examples of things that, you know, it you should be aware of and, you, you know, you probably should think about, particularly if you're running a core facility or a CRO that's doing a lot of chemical characterization. Uh, you know, I, I think it might provide guidance for some of the academicians who might be, um, you know, looking to study these types of things. Um, it, you know, provides a pretty comprehensive overview of the literature on the analytical evaluation of uh, leachables and extractables, which, you know, I think is is probably the, one of the most useful aspects of this article. I mean, it's every article you could possibly, you know, not, not every, but, you know, the many articles that could be very helpful to, uh, you know, designing a quality lab and evaluation program are, you know, right there in one place. So, you know, it's an excellent reference source for more detailed information. Yeah, and it almost uh, kind of begs uh, for a sister document to be presented, which would be that, that second half of the discussion, Darren, that you referred to, which is the maybe the toxicological assessment of these data and, and kind of taking the data that you might collect from this type of testing and how you you know, what the collective thoughts are on that topic as well, because that certainly is a, a common output of the, the, the uh, collection of these data for sure. Right. You know, and I think people are going to be asking themselves the, the questions when they consider all of these things is, you know, how, how far do we really need to take this to develop a, an effective analytical evaluation strategy uh, for medical devices and extracts? Uh, you know, what is really important in terms of being able to make a judgment of safety? You know, I I, I could see a lot of these uh, techniques, uh, you know, if you get too deep into it, you have to ask yourself the question, do the ends really justify the means? You know, do, does the value I get, you know, from all of these steps and techniques and considerations, does it translate into, you know, a value in an in a risk assessment or other, you know, evaluation paradigm for a medical device. Yeah. And there, there certainly is the, I mean, the beginnings of some of that in, in terms of the assessment piece, just from the, the discussion within the article about analytical evaluation threshold and, and, you know, as, as they talked about uh, the, the, the concept of how low do you go and that having its correlation into, well, you sort of have to define that up front to some degree uh, as well, but yeah, certainly, you know, some some concepts that can be built upon, I think, going forward as well. I mean, if we look at this at this article, we look at a lot of the topics they talk. I mean, it's very heavy in the analytical, you know, part. A little bit on extractions, a um, little bit on information gathering up front, but then the chemical analysis part takes the majority of the document or the article. But you know, with what they said in here, kind of the topics that they discussed, you think of that, but just. I guess, practically speaking, as current day, the way extractables testing, we see it being performed. You know, does the article present some solutions to some of the common problems that we see in extractables testing today? Or maybe problems is the wrong word, but challenges in terms of how we approach extractables testing? Man, (laughs) that's a hard one. I guess I would say maybe to a limited extent. It certainly surfaces the issues and what some of the considerations are related to them in terms of giving solutions to how to deal with them 
I think it's less clear that that's true. And part of that, Aaron was mentioning, is that the state of the art is just not well enough developed to actually have solutions to some of the more challenging aspects of doing the work well understood. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know that there's a lot of, you know, discussion around, you know, unknowns and, and even the extraction process and, and, and the conditions under which we need to, you know, subject these devices. And, and certainly that can, in its own right, you know, create some of the challenges that we're up against, you know, mm-hmm. accurate quantitation, you know, a hundred percent confident that identification. And I, I think there's from my side, again, not a chemist. So <laughs> you guys know this better than me, but you know, there's certainly a lot of suggestions for how it, how these topics may be overcome, but, but it is a collection. It, it, it's a perspective. So it doesn't necessarily come out and define what the solution to the problem is in every case. At least yeah. that's how I took it. No, I, I would agree with you, Don. I think it provides arrows pointing to potential solutions, but I think there's a great deal of work that's going to have to happen before, you know, many of them become generally applicable across uh, evaluating medical devices, extracts and things of that nature. Uh, I mean, you know, as Ted pointed out, the technology is really in its infancy, you know, even though many of these techniques have been around for quite a long time. But, you know, in terms of characterizing medical device extracts, you know, we're barely above poking at a termite mound with a stick. You know, that might be a little bit uh, overkill, but, you know, we're, there's really a lot more questions, I think, than uh, than there are answers. And But, you know, I think being able to formulate the right question is probably the first step to, you know, resolving the issue. So, you know, I think it does a good job in that respect, you know, pointing out what may or may not be important and, you know, really pointing out that even though some of these concepts have actually made it into the regulatory framework applied to medical devices, um, you know, not all of them have been, you know, fully established as being uh, either true, effective, or value-added. So, you know, there's, as you know, as they they say repeatedly, there's a lot of work to be done. You know, the real question is who's going to do the work, (laughs) Uh, right? There's not a lot of motivation for a CRO to do fundamental research on extraction of medical devices and plastics. You know, an academician might, might be able to carry out that kind of program, but boy, I wouldn't want to have to write that NIH grant. That would be a monster. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sure. And it, it does kind of beg the question, I guess, you know, in the current state of the art, you know, where we are now, the type of extractables testing that we see at, you know, contract labs, you know, we use the data, we assess the data, we we complement it when we need to with biological data, you know, of in vitro, in vivo type testing. And, and I, and, you know, it kind of does beg the question at current state of the art, are, are we producing devices that, that are, are safe or do they have risks that we've not uncovered yet? And, 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 and maybe we, we need more development of areas like this to make them even safer. I, I'm hoping that the, the answer is we're making and evaluating safe devices in today's world. Um, but, but could we refine our practices by, in, you know, these techniques, I, I guess, 
you know, possibly just making sure that we, I guess, have those methods and can use them as needed. Yeah, I agree, Don. I think that we can always do better. I'm also mindful of Darren's great comment that what we do better has to bring additional value. I'm not convinced that the level of detail being expected in a lot of this work is always uh, worth the effort. Yeah, sometimes it does seem academic in its own right, and in terms of some of the expectations that, you know, at this level, when we're actually testing devices, again, just (laughs) not saying that it is or it isn't, but just my my viewpoint in some cases, I guess. Well, you know, I think it's a, a manifestation of adapting a lot of these ideas from the pharma world, you know, where you're looking at drug formulations and, you know, active pharmaceutical ingredients and things like that, and known contaminants and you know, things that you generally have a lot more control over than, you know, what you get from a medical device extract in a nonpolar solvent, for example. You know, there's just a real unknown factor. And, you know, the article touches upon, you know, the usefulness of triplicate injections and things like that. I think it erroneously kind of said that, you know, the reason to do that is to determine the, uh, you know, the variability in the test article composition. I don't know if that's necessarily the goal of an NTA evaluation as much as, you know, determining whether your data are consistent, right? You know, there's no guarantee that when you repeat an exhaustive extraction on a piece of plastic that you're going to get the same result three times. So, you know, what that could enable you to do maybe is uh, call out some things that probably, you know, aren't real. You know, you only see them in one out of three replicates, so you know, perhaps they're not, you know, particularly if they're low level, they're, you know, they might be, you know, artifactual, but, you know, well, I'm, I'm just going to stop there because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I could go on and on. Well, and that, that, that's, I guess, for listeners, one thing I was thinking of about, you know, as comprehensive as this article is, just kind of fair warning that there's, there's some things that aren't in this document, even from you know, expectations, extractables, and that sort of thing that, you know, you may have come across when getting, you know, comments back from reviewers, not only FDA, but maybe notified body reviewers, other regulators as well. And and so as comprehensive as it seems, you know, this isn't the beginning and the end. There's more, which kind of, I think, speaks to what we have left to do for sure on the topic. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Guys, I think we've we've uh, you know touched on some some good topics of of discussion, some points about the document. Obviously, we're not going to dive into every detail of what's in this uh, this perspective that was authored by the FDA because we would be here quite a long time, and and we might bore some people <laughs> to death. I, I, I'm afraid, uh, <laughs> but certainly um, good to talk to you both on it. Any any closing thoughts from? You, Ted, or Darren, on on where we go from here or or just comments in general that we haven't touched on? Yeah, Don, maybe a couple if we've got time. I'll try not to go too long. I think that one of the concerns is the uh, level of burden that's imposed by these expectations that are wrapped up in this work and really comes from multiple compounding conservative assumptions, use of a very conservative dose-based threshold, which drives the necessary method sensitivities way down and surfaces a great deal more compounds, use of very aggressive solvents like Darren mentioned, use of triplicate extractions, 
these all make the work considerably more expensive and uh, not always completely value added in my mind. The comment about, um, I think something in the document that talks about use of five or six levels of standards for qualifying an NTA method is notable. And I guess it's Darren touched on this also. It's sort of like expecting part per thousand precision out of methods that are really not and purposes that really are not suited to that. As as chemists, I think we tend to get a little bit, I don't know, up in arms, I guess, is one way of putting it, when we see the toxicologist build in um, maybe four orders of magnitude of uncertainty in the tolerable level estimates, tolerable mm-hmm. exposure estimates, and now we've got to come back and have the reciprocal of that in terms of precision on the end. This doesn't quite sync up. And I think in terms of what's next, I would just say some guidance from regulators, I think would be really important. I understand that FDA may be taking that up next now that they've finished this work. And then from a scientific standpoint, as you noted, there is a small coverage of extractions in this document, just three pages as compared to 11 on the analysis itself. And I think that's one of the weakest areas in the whole process and really more is needed in development of extraction approaches, especially for simulation of uh, exposure from implants. Yeah, I, I would I would agree for sure. And, you know, I think another some of the other greatest challenges that I think we're facing are particularly, you know, how do, the methods for identifying these extractables. I mean, when you get down to it, the risk assessment is only as good as the identifications of the uh, compounds that the uh, toxicologist is given to evaluate. From what I can tell, um, you know, they're not at this point, uh, bulletproof for sure. In fact, many in, in many cases, they're just downright wrong. You know, there's a lot of ways that this can be improved, and they're they're highlighted nicely in the in the article. But you know, I think that's very important. Probably the single most important factor. You know, you have to know what you're evaluating, or else you know you're just wasting your time. I think in terms of you know extractions. You know, the exhaustive extraction, you know, has been put forward as, you know, a really good technique. You know, simulated use is rarely used, um, at least at least in my experience. But, you know, degradation in nonpolar extracts, I think, is a big issue. I don't think, um, I think a lot of time and effort is spent evaluating what are essentially artifacts generated by the extraction process that, you know, will never, ever be generated any other way than boiling it in hexane. So, you know, I, I think that's a challenge. And, you know, when you look at the whole risk assessment process in general, as Ted pointed out, there's, you know, four orders of magnitude of uncertainty, um, you know, but so, you know, the tolerable exposure values are being driven down, 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 you know, the dose-based thresholds, TTC values are being driven down, down, down. And, you know, you just uh, have to question, you know, at what point is is it too much? You know, it, it doesn't help you if you can't get a right a risk assessment that, that finds a way for these things to make sense from a, a patient safety standpoint. So, you know, I think 
there's a lot of effort been put into, you know, how do you define uncertainty for, you know, a tolerable exposure that you calculate based on toxicological data, but there has not been a corresponding amount of work on how do you refine your exposure estimate to better reflect reality? Because, you know, given that the the uncertainty factors in the risk assessment process have been, you know, pretty much pushed as low as they're going to get. Um, the only form of relief we really have as, you know, chemists is to try to refine the exposure estimate, you know, get some idea of, you know, how fast some of these things come out. I mean, typically we say, okay, it's an exhaustive extraction that represents the entire amount of a given extractable that come comes out. But, you know, we have no idea whether it comes out in a bolus fashion, whether it leaches out, you know, a microgram per day for 300 micrograms. So, you know, it's, um, there's, there's a lot of work to be done on that end, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, that, you know, that release, you know, of extractables, you know, and trying to understand the kinetics of, of that certainly could be a place that we can go. But again, kind of to Ted's point as well, you know, you bring in the concept of level of burden that we have to approach. And I mean, you could get, um, you know, certainly in some situations pretty quickly with, you know, looking at the concept of triplicate extractions and and then also analyzing, you know, each iterative extraction that's performed as part of an exhaustive experiment. You could certainly get into a situation where the burden is going to be pretty high for, for some of these uh, device manufacturers, for sure, in terms of what they what what one might say they have to prove in terms of the, their devices and its safety, which again it certainly segues I think pretty well into you know again what I called a sister document that looks at the assessment of these data. <laughs> How do you piece this together at the at the end of the story to say okay we got a lot of chemical data, what do we know about it and how does that relate to the device's safety or doesn't it? So it's it's you know more of the story to be told for sure I think. To be continued. <laughs> to be continued. Maybe we'll get back together again and then talk about, uh, you know, a, again, a, a sister document that might come out of this, but who knows? So anyways, well, guys, it was uh, good to talk to you both today. Hopefully our, our listeners got some uh, a value out of this. And, and, you know, if they're not aware of this document, again, they can, they can find it available out there. And it is a pretty, it definitely is a good read. Might get a little bit deep towards the end for some of you non-analytical chemists, but but uh, it's got a lot of good information in it, I think. So, Ted, Darren, thank you for your time today. Good to talk to you both, and uh, hopefully we'll you know maybe talk again in the future in this uh, similar uh, similar venue. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy biocompatibility, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast store. For free resources and material, remember to visit www.namsa.com slash resources slash podcast.